We will begin in verse 37. There's always something that we can praise God about, that's for sure. In uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of the word of God tonight. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Lord, we're thankful that we can know the way of salvation through the scriptures. Uh, we're thankful for the conviction of the Spirit of God that confirms the scriptures in our hearts. We're thankful for faith that can be exercised, Lord, to receive Christ as our Savior. And we're thankful, Lord, that once a person gets saved, all things are new. And God, I pray that you'd bless the preaching tonight. If there's someone listening by live stream or here in the service that's not saved, uh, Lord, will you touch them? Will you send the Holy Spirit upon them to bring conviction? And uh, may they get saved tonight. I pray that every believer that's listening, whether it's over live stream or here in the building, uh, Lord, every one of us would just be uh, convicted and challenged by the Spirit of God to live day by day by His power and uh, His ability to be our teacher and guide through the Scriptures, and God, that He might use us in a way that will be able to bring conviction on others that they might be saved. And so I pray for your blessing on the preaching of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text verse is verse 38. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's on Pentecost right now, and uh, as Peter is preaching, uh, it's on the day of Pentecost, and he stands boldly, and preaches who Jesus Christ is. He preaches the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That message is not something that needs to change. People need to hear about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ because that's the gospel. And if they're going to be saved, they're going to be saved because they hear the gospel. Uh, Peter may have been very fearful at the crucifixion of Christ. And you know, oftentimes we have a tendency to condemn uh, actions of char Bible characters, uh, but just think about yourself if you were standing there. Just think about what was going on when Jesus was crucified, the aggressive nature of the Roman soldiers, and people were being uh, executed for their faith. People were being executed for not uh, supporting uh, Caesar. Uh, people were being executed uh, and, and questioned and abused and beaten uh, because of identifying themselves as Christians. And Peter was, became fearful in that environment, in that atmosphere. However, in Acts chapter 2, it's Pentecost, and now he's standing in the power and the boldness of the Spirit of God. And it made a difference. They cry out as he preaches. Conviction falls on the people, and they cry out, What? 
shall we do? And we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a way that when we're sharing the gospel with them, that they'll be convicted in their hearts to want to know, what should I do? How can I be saved? And uh, we want the Spirit of God uh, to be moving on our behalf to help us to be able to bring conviction to them. So when they say, what shall we do? Peter tells them, you need to be repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and uh, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are those that would use this verse to try to further uh, um, support this matter of speaking in tongues. They say, well, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, if you get the Spirit of God, you'll speak in tongues. There's, no, there's nothing mentioned about tongues here. Uh, I would submit to you that the gift here in verse 38 is not the gift of tongues, but it's very clear it's the gift of the Holy Ghost. And uh, God has a great gift for us. When a person gets saved, they receive the Holy Spirit, and uh, he, they are the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit indwells them. You know, here's some thoughts here. Just re I'm going to read just some verses for you because it speaks about the gift of God. Ecclesiastes 3.13 says, And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Our ability to work and our ability to labor is a gift from God. It's not uh, something that we boast about. It's not something that we're prideful in. Uh, it is God that gives us that ability to do that. John chapter 4 and verse 10, Jesus said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and I'm afraid so many times the waters get muddied because people don't really know what the gift of God is. He said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked him, and he would have given thee the living water. And so the gift of God. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 20, Peter said unto them, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Now, they, they saw the power of the Spirit of God working through Peter and the others. They wanted to give money to get this Holy Spirit. He was like, whoa, 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 no, no. You thought you could purchase the gift of God through money. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John chapter 14, and verse 16, And I will pray the Father... And he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. I'm just trying to build the case here that the answer of Peter to the crowd desiring to want to know what they needed to do is that if you'll receive Christ as your Savior, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing you have to do in order to be saved but to believe. There is nothing that you have to do in order to receive the Holy Spirit. And when you get saved, we're all baptized into one body by one spirit, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. And so the Spirit of God is the one that is the gift that God gives us. And every believer needs to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's think about this gift that God has given us, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's think about, first of all, the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures. 
the Holy Spirit of the Scriptures is that he spake God's word through the prophets. And uh, certainly uh, it, when the uh, prophets of old would reveal what God had to say, they were doing it by the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. In uh, David, in Acts chapter 1, in verse 16, and uh, no, better get over chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 16 says, Men and brethren, this scripture must needs be fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. And uh, so thinking of just the Holy Spirit speaking through David, uh, the Holy Spirit preaching or speaking through Isaiah in uh, Acts chapter 28. And, and it shows me that um, uh, if we're going to say something that is spiritual enough to impact somebody's life, I really believe it needs to be directed by the Spirit of God. Uh, we cannot Listen, we cannot impact people's lives in the flesh. We must impact people's lives through the move and the power of the Spirit of God that is in us. In Acts 28, in uh, verse 25, tells us, and... When they agreed not to among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers. And so the Holy Spirit would speak to people through the prophets of old, whether it be David or whether it be Isaiah or whether it be the writers of the New Testament. It was necessary for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And if God's Spirit was not a gift to them, how in the world would they even be able to begin to communicate the Scriptures to us so that we might know who God is? The Scriptures are spiritual because of the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one who directed the conversations in reference to what to pin down and write down uh, from the, uh, the Holy Word. So I see that he spake God's Word through the prophets, I've got too many notes in my Bible. Good night. He, he spoke uh, God's word through the prophets, but he authored God's words through the writers. Oftentimes people say, ah, that Bible, that's, a, that's man's book. No, it's God's book. Uh, God gave us this book through the Holy Spirit speaking through the writers of the New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21 tells us, for the prophecy came not of old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, the word moved there means to be brooded along or carried along. And so the Bible wasn't something that just was made up by man himself, but it was written down and recorded for us because men pinned what God gave them the pen through the Holy Spirit of God. This book is holy because it's written by a Holy Spirit. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, inspiration means to be breathed out. And God has breathed out his word uh, through the Holy Ghost, speaking through the writers of the New Testament. That's why this book cannot be questioned. That's why this book cannot be corrupted. 
That's why this book has to be obeyed and adhered to. Because it is exactly what God said to mankind through the Holy Spirit of God. And oftentimes people want to take away from the significance and importance of it. I remember Dr. Malone used to say years ago, and when we were young preacher boys in college, he said, man, I'm going to tell you right now, don't you ever, don't you ever cast doubt on the Word of God. And people will stand up there and say, well, the Bible says this, but a better translation of it is X, Y, Z. I don't want to hear that. Don't want to hear it all. What it says, I do what I believe. If I don't understand it, I'll pray for the Holy Spirit to help me to understand it, what it is. You don't have to dumb down the Bible to try to minister to dumb people, amen? We are all like sheep being led to the slaughter, and so we need a spiritual book that is a powerful book, that is a God-given book that will impact our lives, and it's because of the Holy Spirit of God we have a spiritual book that we can read. The Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. He spake God's word through the prophets. He authored God's word through the writers. He reveals the content of God's word to the believer. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's always been interesting to me over the years when you get to those hard verses and you get a commentary out and nobody says anything. They skip right over the verse that you want to hear about. And uh, I have found this, the only thing that you can do when you come to those hard verses, is to take time to be alone with God, to read over the scriptures, to meditate upon the scripture, to pray over that scripture, uh, be systematic in setting up cross-references and study that scripture, keeping it in context, and God will help you to understand what it means. Uh, it doesn't come by ease. I can, listen, we have a finite mind trying to comprehend an infinite book. There's going to be times when you're not going to understand what the Bible is. I've had people over the years say, well, I don't read that Bible. I've read that thing before. I can't understand anything in it. So because you don't understand what it has to say, you just stop reading it. Just because of the fact that you can't understand everything that's written in the Scriptures that you don't feel it's necessary to hear what God has to say? Uh, the amazing thing is this. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that the Spirit of God would bring to remembrance all things, whatever he had commanded his disciples. It is the Spirit of God that will bring memory back to you about a passage. It's, been, it's amazing. You take and you be, I'll be reading and studying the Bible, writing a message or whatever, and God will bring to my mind a verse that I've memorized Years ago. And I'm like, man, where did that verse come from? i got to find out where that is. And uh, God, God's Holy Ghost is the one that confirms and instructs and embeds the Word of God into our hearts. And so the gift of God, that God would give us the Spirit so that we might be able to understand His Word. We have to understand the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures. We need to understand the Holy Spirit and the Savior. Now, we're going to look all these verses up. I'll mention them. You can write them down and look them up later on. Uh, we could stay here for a couple hours and we can read all of them, but that would be fine with me. But the Holy Spirit and the Savior. Remember this. this is, you say this is elementary. Yes, but somebody may not know this and they need to understand it. Jesus Christ was conceived of the Holy Ghost. You know, he was a, it was a miraculous conception 
It is so vitally important for us to understand the working of the Holy Spirit in the birth of Christ because if he was conceived as every other uh, male child is conceived in the womb, uh, then he's not the Son of God. But the Holy Spirit of God, according to Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, overshadowed Mary and she conceived of, of the Holy Ghost and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born. And so the Holy Spirit and the Savior. Yeah, Jesus was anointed of the Spirit. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, when Jesus was being baptized of John, uh, the Spirit of God lighted upon him in the form of a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And I just thought of this. If Jesus Christ has the anointing of the Spirit of God upon him as he begins his earthly ministry, how much more do you and I need the anointing of the Spirit of God upon us uh, as we do the ministry that God has given us? And so we see Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was equipped for ministry by the Holy Spirit in John chapter 3 and verse 34. And it's the Spirit of God uh, that would lead Jesus Christ out into the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1 to be tempted of the devil. Uh, you know, when the Spirit of God led him out there, the Spirit of God never abandoned him. That's a wonderful thing to know. Wherever the Spirit of God leads us and directs us, he is always with us. He does not abandon us. And so we have the leading of the Holy Spirit in the life of Christ. How I need the Spirit of God to lead me. I don't want to make any decisions in my life that has not been guided and anointed and directed by the Spirit of God. Amen. And we want to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus performed, performed miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, he was a son of God. Oh, yes, he was a son of God. He's co-equal in authority and power with the Father in heaven and with the Holy Spirit. But we see this ministry, this healing power in concert one with another as the Son of God would heal the sick and heal the lame and heal the blind. The Spirit of God would minister power in Christ to exercise those miracles in Matthew 12, 28. The gift of the Holy Ghost. I see that Jesus was strengthened in the crucifixion by the Spirit of God. In Hebrew, I want to read this one. In Hebrews chapter uh, 9 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. Uh, Jesus was strengthened in the crucifixion by the Holy Spirit of God. Hebrews 9 and 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down and I take it back up again. But realize this, that in concert together, this, uh, the Son of God hanging on the cross, the Holy Spirit of God was there strengthening him for the offering of himself that man might be redeemed through the sacrifice of Christ. And so he's strengthened in the crucifixion by the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus was raised in the resurrection by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's amazing just to watch from conception all the way through the life of Christ, the ministering, or if you will, the gift of the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ as he uh, uh, dies and is buried and he rose again. Uh, Jesus, uh, prior to his ascension, prepared his disciples for the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Look, read through John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. Read through those chapters, even in John chapter 20, where Jesus comes with his disciples and it breathes upon them and says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. It's interesting how much time just prior to the crucifixion of Christ and right after the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ and prior to the ascension of Christ, how much time Jesus invested in his disciples to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. But the interesting thing is how shallow we are in understanding the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so we must have the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus in his ascension was replaced by the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. In John chapter 16 and verse 7. Uh, when Jesus said, if I go not away, I'm paraphrasing, if I go not away, the comforter will not come. And so Jesus, when he was crucified, dead and buried, rose out of the grave, ascended up into heaven. And when he ascended up into heaven on the day of Pentecost, and that's where we're at in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and they preached and revealed that they, if they would get saved, they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And uh, how we need to pray uh, to the uh, Holy Spirit to empower us and strengthen us. I, I remember years ago, old Dr. Rice was preaching, and after he got done preaching, he prayed, and he said, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. After the service, a woman came up to him and told him, said, Dr. Rice, you prayed wrong tonight. Uh, you prayed in the name of the Holy Spirit. And you're supposed to be praying in the name of Jesus. And he told her, he said, well, ma'am, when you know the whole family, you can pray in any one of their names. And so the amazing thing is this, that we need to know and recognize that you have received a gift from God. And that gift from God is the Holy Spirit of God. And if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you are the temple of God. You are not to destroy and defile the temple of the Holy Ghost. But more so beyond that, as Peter on the day of Pentecost would stand up and preach in great power, you also have that same power to be able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have that power to overcome the temptations of sin in your life because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. So I see the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. I see the Holy Spirit in the Savior. And the last thought is this. I see the Holy Spirit in the unsaved. The Holy Spirit in the unsaved. If you're listening by the live stream, you're unsaved. The Holy Spirit wants to work in your heart and in your life. If you're watching by live stream or you're here in the building, and whether you're saved or whether you're not saved, the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. 
God has given us the Holy Spirit so we, we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now I want to look at a few verses. Look in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit and the unsaved. John chapter 15 and verse 26. It says, but when the comforter is come. Now we know that that took place when Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again, and ascended on high. He sent the comforter. So we're talking about the experience after the ascension of Christ of the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father. There's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit action all together in agreement of the coming of the Holy Spirit. I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So the Holy Spirit and the unsaved, he testifies of who Jesus Christ is. Uh, people say, well, how can you get somebody to know or believe or to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. You, you cannot convince anyone who Jesus Christ is if the Holy Spirit is not testifying to that fact. And so every time we go soul winning, every time we get ready to speak to someone about Christ, we need to pray, O gift of God, Holy Spirit of God that is in me, testify and witness to the person I'm talking to that you are the Son of God and you are the Savior of the world and bring them under conviction that they might be saved. If we think we can woo people to the Lord by quoting Bible verses to them, forget it. I know the Word of God is quick and powerful. I understand the Word of God can bring conviction, but I'm going to tell you, you can get the job done a lot faster, more efficiently, if you have the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. I was witnessing to someone, uh, this was several years ago, probably two or three years ago, and I didn't have a Bible with me, and, and uh, had gone over to the person's house, and their son was there, and I got out on the porch and was talking to him, and I just was quoting verses about salvation, about what it means to be born again, what it means to be a sinner, what it means to be forgiven of our sins, cleansed of our sins, and after about 20 minutes of talking with this fellow, and just casually talking, and quoting different scriptures, he finally just looked at me. He said, you know, I'm not impressed by the Bible verses you memorized. That really convicted my heart. And I thought, am I just here rattling off Bible verses? Is not the Holy Spirit moving on my behalf to help this fellow understand? Because and it hit me, I had not prayed for the Holy Spirit power. I had not prayed in reference for the Holy Spirit to testify of who Christ is. I think we could become more efficient in our soul winning and our witnessing if we understand the work of the Holy Spirit in testifying to a wicked sinner's heart that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. You have that gift. You have the Holy Spirit. So he testifies of who Christ is. Look in John chapter 16. John chapter 16, just turn over a page. John chapter 16 and verse 8 says, And when he was come, when he is come, that's the comforter, 
when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The word reprove there means to convict. So not only does he testify of who Christ is, but he convicts men of their sin. You know, I, I look at things and I see all these things that are going on with riots, whatever it may be. And, and the things that are said by the politicians, things that are said by people who are a part of the protest or rioting. You look at it and you say, can't you understand? I don't know if you've ever said it. I've said it myself. I'm looking and I said, can't you understand? I talked to the computer screen, amen. And I said, can't you understand that what you're doing is wrong? And the answer is, no, they can't. Because they're living by the power of the God of this world who blinds their eyes so the glorious gospel of Christ won't shine into them. And they make their decisions and, their, and, and they live out their actions based completely and solely on the lasciviousness or the lust of the flesh. Lasciviousness is to desire that which is forbidden. And they desire that which is forbidden because there's no Holy Ghost conviction. How we need, how we need the Holy Spirit to bring conviction on the unsaved. I remember hearing Dr., uh, I don't know if he's doctor or not, but uh, well, what's his name? Um, I can't remember his name anyway. Down at the prayer events, first preacher I ever heard down there, Keith Daniels, if it was. I heard him preach down there, and he shared a testimony of an old preacher that went into a, went in to a place of business, a manufacturing business. And as he went in, he was, a, filled, he was a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And he said this, as he walked through the business, people started falling to their knees and praying and crying out to God for forgiveness. And I thought, oh, may I have that kind of power upon me. I don't. To my own humiliation and disgrace, I don't. The power of the Holy Spirit of God is that he brings conviction on mankind. He reveals to man that they are sinners and he reveals to them uh, that they are not just in sin, but they are unrighteous in their conduct. And as a result of being unrighteous in their conduct, they're facing the judgment of Almighty God. You can't do that, but the Spirit of God can. The gift that God has given you is his Holy Ghost. Uh, well, not only that, but he was he witnesses. Look in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. It is the Spirit of God that witnesses. Acts chapter 5 and verse 31. Acts chapter 5, verse 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, and we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. 
See, God has given us a great gift, and that great gift that he has given us is the Holy Spirit of God. And we may be a witness of the things that God has done, but it is the confirmation of the witness of the Holy Ghost that brings man to repentance and salvation uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, look over in 2 Thessalonians. So the Holy Spirit and the unsaved, he testifies, he convicts, he witnesses, and then he restrains in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6 through 8. I'm thankful for the restraining power of the Holy Spirit of God. We've been going through the book of Revelation, looking at the trumpets and vials and sealed judgments, and we've been looking at what the spirit and the character that's going to be uh, during the tribulation period. You understand that the tribulation period is just completely unrestrained wickedness. You say, man, things are bad now. Yes, but things are restrained right now. Can you imagine when you know, it's just the restraining power of the Spirit of God is lifted and there's no limitations? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6 through uh, verse 8 says, And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until be taken away out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. What is the problem when the spirit, when the church is raptured, when the church is taking out, taken out of this world, the church is believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. The church uh, is believers who have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the church is raptured, that Holy Spirit that is inside of us is removed from this world and the restraint of the Spirit of God will be taken off of society and everything is just let go. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit's restraint. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit's presence in each of us. Well, not only that, but I think of his rejection. Mark chapter 3 and verse 28 is rejection. Uh, Mark, I guess I better get Mark. I was looking at Matthew. <laughs> Amen, been a long day today. Mark chapter 3, verse 28. Mark 3, 28. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. The rejection of the Holy Spirit. People say, oh, I couldn't be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, you already had the gift of the Holy Spirit. To blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is to say that his testifying, his conviction, his witnessing, his restraining is all done by another means. That the Spirit of God cannot do that. It is to attribute to the Spirit of God, things that are done in the flesh. 
And all things, all sin is forgiven, man, except for blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to simply say that the Spirit of God cannot save you. If you're here tonight, realize this. If you're on live stream tonight, there's only one sin that can never be forgiven. And that sin is the sin of unbelief. Unbelief by blaspheming God and saying, he can't save me. And when you say that God can't save you, in reference to everything that the Holy Spirit can do in your life and save you and bring conversion in your heart, you are blaspheming against God and it can't be forgiven. The only thing that will keep you out of heaven is unbelief. In order for all of your sins to be forgiven, for all of your sins to be cleansed from, there has to be faith. And if you say, I don't believe, how can you be forgiven? And yet, here's Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost and preaching. And the people get so under conviction. And it was because the difference between Peter, when he was by the campfire, he was in the flesh. But when he's standing up on the day of Pentecost, he's in the spirit. And the thing that made a difference in his preaching and his, his demeanor was the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. Now, folks, God's given you a great gift. He's given you a great gift, and it's the Holy Spirit. Allow him to fill you. Allow him to control you. Allow him to teach you. Allow him to speak through you. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the Savior. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings conviction on the sinner. And so the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad I have the Holy Spirit. Years ago, I preached a whole series of messages on the Holy Ghost. And I remember reading a book by Dr. Malone years ago, must be 25, 30 years ago now, on the Holy Ghost. I like reading or listening to preachers preach on the Holy Ghost. You know, there's not much preaching on the Holy Ghost. You go looking for messages on the Holy Ghost, you don't find much. You might find some whacked out preaching on tongues and all this, that, but that's not about the Holy Spirit. That's something totally different. And I think in our generation, we have lost the concept of the privilege of the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's walk in the power of the Spirit, amen? Jesus, I mean, the Apostle Paul said, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I think a, a very simplistic answer to problems in our lives when it deals with temptations and sins is walk in the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together tonight. I pray, Lord, that I've said some things that maybe are refreshing reminding uh, something maybe the, that, that we have not thought about before in reference to the Holy Spirit of God. I'm thankful, Holy Spirit, that you're in me and that you fill me, you empower me, you teach me, you guide me, you direct me. Uh, Lord, you reveal to me the scriptures. I'm thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I pray that each one of us tonight We'll cry out to God for a filling and a refreshing of the Spirit of God like we've never had before. And Lord, that we might see the manifestation of the power of the Spirit of God 
as we share our faith with others. Help us to lead people to Christ. Uh, Lord, we know that we can't save anybody, but the Spirit of God can bring conviction at will. And so thank you for this great gift. Thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us, you minister to us, you use us for your own glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.